Hello, my friends. Nigel, it's just us today. Unfortunately, Lana feels that she needs to do some type of work, so she has she has not made herself herself available today. Is that right? Is that the right language? No, it's not at all. But anyway, who cares? How are you, my friend? <laughs> Very well, thank you, my friend. How are you? I don't like the start of that at all. So, um, but we will move. You gonna on. start again? No, not going to at all. <laughs> I'm going to disrespect hey, the listeners. Hey, before we move on, <laughs> yep. in respecting the listeners, uh, it is a very special day. Uh, it is your birthday today. Happy birthday, my friend. Thank you, Nigel. I certainly didn't want to timestamp this and talk about that, but since you brought it up, thank you very much. I most certainly did because I want to be able to look back at this in years to come and go, what were you doing on your birthday? Well, um, And uh, I know exactly where you are. I'm... I'm very lucky. Yes, it's nice to have a birthday. It's nice to have one of a significant, I guess, um, I guess people put um, value in whole numbers, I guess. Happy to be standing upright, happy to be breathing and happy to be um, working with good people. What more do you want in life? I want to jump into something because it would be a boring podcast if we didn't. Um, a lot of people being in isolation at the moment are having plenty of time to think plenty of time to dwell on stories, plenty of time to work on emotions through stories, plenty of time to dig up the past, plenty of time to overanalyze, plenty of time to, um, I guess, self-reflect as well because I think there's a lot of people that um, having this time to be forced into um, sitting and thinking and basically having the same environment for a lot of the time having routine that's pretty similar, you're taking out a lot of the var- variables in life that distract us from going through these type of thoughts. So what I'm personally finding with a lot of friends and, and particularly with a lot of clients and the commentary that we're getting through from them is they're reflecting on what they want to do next in life. They've almost taken that jump of you know the things that they were enjoying about their life, the things that they weren't so enjoying, the things that they were pretending to enjoy but really weren't. And just, you know, having these sort of deeper conversations around, you know, this is what I've been thinking because when there's nothing else to do, what do you do but think? And I think it brings up a really interesting um, discussion around things that we've spoken about a lot over the years, Nigel, which is the stories that we're actually telling ourselves and the stories that we're actually building for ourselves and the stories that we need to be true in order to support our framework of life. And... You know, for those of you who um, may not have delved too deeply into a lot of this, like not, it's not self-help, it's self-analysis and an understanding, which is why, why do we believe some stories about ourselves, and why do we believe memories about ourselves? Why do we have these memories that we've had for many, many years, yet they've over the years slightly changed? So we... We adjust them every year or the time when we're telling people or where we gather a little bit of information or, you know, the traditional one is you've got a story about a family and then you've got this whole construct of exactly how the situation was and then you see a photo that it was nothing like that and you go, uh-oh, that's that's not how I remember it or, um, you know, I remember that person did that and then you hear, well, actually, they weren't even there and you you... And you have these things sometimes that basically shatter your illusion or your story that you've been holding up as fact. And I want to talk a bit today, Nigel, about that and the way we do that in business and also probably more from a leadership point of view and from a happiness point of view in life, which is 
what are the stories that you're creating in life that are, I guess, holding you back and not holding you back from you will magically become this type of person or achieve this goal, but what are, honestly, is it holding you back so you don't delve into something that's really exciting or really outside your current comfort zone? And I think it's very important. I mean, let's let's have a little look at this um, and, and I'm I'm by no means a psychologist psychiatrist or anything like that but I certainly am very thankful that I've been exposed to enough interesting thinking around our brains and the way the brains work to to start to realize when we're creating stories for protection and you know Nigel we were talking a little earlier about you know your your version of stories that you've built personally and that at certain times don't essentially serve you anymore and that that becomes that sort of wake up moment or that realization or you know we joked about it in another podcast a, a new lesson but it's it's more than that it's almost the um the shattering of a personal illusion that allows you to then move on and grow yeah the, i mean the framework you put around any event i mean i think we've discussed it in previous uh, podcast as well is that events aren't good or bad they're just things that happen they don't happen to you or whatnot but we uh, assign our own we put our own belief system and take our own meaning from those so i've found that um the stories that i've previously told myself those events haven't changed but in trying to find new ways of approaching things or my mindset change is that the meaning I have taken out of those has flipped almost a hundred percent from something that's been holding me back to something that actually drives me forward. Yeah. So yeah, those events themselves, there's there's nothing different about them. It's just how I'm choosing to view them. And I've been thinking about this um, for a while now. There's things in my life that, as you said, you're talking about family or an event that happened. I don't know if they actually happened or not. Yeah. But I've just been telling those stories for so long that in my head, they are real. I could tell you the color of the wallpaper. I could tell you what the room smelt like in when I had those things. And then someone else would go, actually, those are three different events that you've just combined together. Absolutely. And and, and people need to be aware of this because a lot of people would be listening to this going, so what you're saying is you're lying. They go, no, it's not, it's not lying at all. It's, it's the brain constructing the world in which you want to live in or that you feel, more importantly, comfortable to live in. Because you've got to remember our, our, you know, our, our whole being here is to be protected. So our mind, the little voices in our head are, are constantly trying to protect us. It's a built-in hardwired protection mechanism because if we didn't have that, we would be not only in physical danger because we wouldn't <laughs> acknowledge you know, the things that need to be dangerous because we're built to survive as long as we can that's that's the whole idea of this human experience is from a hardwired point of view is survival so there's this amazing survival mechanism in a you know a self-healing organism in which we're all in to a point and the brain is one of those things so as you've got your physical body and then you've got the brain trying to construct stories so you feel comfortable in the environment you're in so what others would then view as unacceptable behavior in their version of the world is acceptable in your version because you've conditioned that. It's when we walk into a business, you know, you, you bring in a new perception. This is, you know, half the, the ease of when we buy a company or we're working with a company or we're putting in some performance mechanisms into a, an environment. 
people just haven't been exposed to a different way of being or a way that in which you can behave in a company because it's been constructed around all these beliefs of this is how this company must operate. And the, the issue is, you know, it's easy to fix in a company because we've got rules. You've got rules around what you can legally do and you can't legally do and the way you can behave and the way you can empower people. But when we get to our personal life where you're, you're the gatekeeper of what your world is going to look like, sometimes it's very difficult to reconstruct the way you believe the world should be for you. And I think this is where really great entrepreneurs um, flourish, that they, they're visionary in terms of what they see the world is and then start to construct the world around it based on that version of the world in which they see. It's a very important skill set. But for us personally, if we find ourselves you know, trapped in situations in which it's not serving us or we're not happy or we're not getting fulfillment or we're not moving forward or we're not heading towards what we want to experience in life, then we have to work out what's the story we're constructing around keeping us here and why is that story more important than the risk of trying something different or moving forward. And I just think that's really, um, I think it's worth analysing together because we don't even know when we've constructed a story to make us stay where we are and feel comfortable. And that's the hard bit. We all have it now, including myself. This is the story I've given myself for where I am in life right now and the way I can then live with that every day. It's not a good or a bad thing, as you, as you mentioned earlier. There's no good or bad event. There is an event that we then interpret and then we take on the lessons or we take on the um, emotion with that event and it will either define us or we'll evolve from it but there's in some way a choice there. And some of these choices are bloody hard by the way. I'm not suggesting that traumatic events are easy to find the good in them. That's, <laughs> that's a not for me to comment on. It goes further than that if we want to expand it out. The stories that you tell yourself are built often on stories that you are conditioned with from your parents and your social circle growing up. So not only do you have to interpret your own stories, but you've also got to put that filter over the top of everything that you hear from people and go, how, how the world should be, how far you can go, like whether you be told that you can be a success or that you can't, whether blue collar is the way that's the, like I'll take my dad as an example. He's blue collar all the way, worked his ass off, those yep. kind of things. And from him, I got the story that, and it's mm. <laughs> for the most of my life, go, you have to work your ass off to succeed. Yep. Hard work go, equals okay, success. Yep. Yeah. And hard work also equals tired at the end of the day, physically sore, working six to seven days a week. That's the only way to do it. And that's the way that a man wins. Yeah. So not only that, it was linked to. Physical work is a honest day's work. Yep. Yeah. And all of those things. So that's my definition or growing up, that was my definition of success or, or, or how to actually win. But then in meeting uh, through our network and through the people that you know, there are people out there that while they do work hard, for the way that I would was brought up to view it, I went, that looks like they just fell into it. It's way too easy. They, that's not a, a real success to me. I could never do it that way. Yeah. Oh, totally. 
which cuts off that whole possibility for me. Uh, absolutely, and it, it's you know it's the the conditioning we get from our our family or environments in early childhood. I mean, it's well documented from you know develop, developmental um, you know teachings and and basically it's you know it's proven that these are the sort of experiences we have early in life, and these are the lessons that drive us through. And if you were to draw a line in the way we behave as adults, we can probably draw a line back to events in our childhood that started us down that thinking. You know, it's the, you know, you've heard probably the traditional one that, you know, a little kid runs up in the playground which, you know, is finds it easy to talk to someone of the opposite sex or the same sex that they start feeling comfortable in that situation or the first time there that a, a little kid runs up to another little kid and they go, I don't want, I don't like you, I don't want to be your friend and suddenly they've got a lifelong experience of finding it hard to make friends because that event was not at the time it was the seed of the way that they viewed the world and it grew over 20 years but really if you go back to that situation and look at it it was just two little kids playing in there and one took a huge interpretation where the other kid wouldn't even remember the um you know the the confrontation in 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 one of a better word but this happens in business too if your first sale's really easy to get or you get it at a um you know at a a great price or you get it at a um, a great sale value, you start thinking this is the way the business runs where you have someone who starts a business, discounts for the first time and that's the only time they ever get a sale and all they do now is know, well, my prices were too high. Not that it was the wrong client at the time and so you, you start to develop these habits and we keep repeating it and we keep repeating it and we keep taking small data sets or small experience. I, I like to refer to it as data sets because we're... <laughs> Sorry, we're working so much on this AI. My whole, I'm, I, honestly, I, I wake up like Neo from the Matrix. I'm just seeing green dots, and that's all I see anymore. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about my psychological problems at another time. But I actually, all I see is in data sets. But you, you look at it, and the way I look at it is that event was a single data set. You wouldn't draw anything from it. If you had someone that had a thousand kids that would say the same thing, maybe the kids doing something that's you know not conducive to friendship or you know not that we're blaming the kid but there's something in that interaction the same way with your business there's something in that interaction that puts people off transacting with you but it's not you or the event or you can't draw your own conclusion from it because it's too small a data set one-on-one two kids in a playground is not a big enough data set to say that kid's a weirdo not that any kid's a weirdo by the way for those as soon as i I realize a mum's group's going to listen to this i don't think kids are weirdo i'm just we need to look at this as data no, let's, sets. Let's just be clear: every kid is a weirdo. <laughs> That's true, and that is the good thing. The little aliens, yeah. But let's take it in our personal life. That if um, you know, you've got. I guess this is the thing about having supportive um, environments when you're younger, because you start to develop these confident streaks or you, these confident levers in you that you can use. So, particularly, there's been a, a lot of um, analysis on. Um, wealthier families and the and the, the rules that they put around their kids which is one of the big ones i read i can't even remember the book now because it was so many years ago but they were talking about an obnoxiousness there around from an earlier age being able to talk to authority at the same level where you saw a lot of um lower income people say respect the police respect the doctors respect that respect that because they hold a person's stature in a community at a high level. So it's that old thing of respect your elders. Now, is that necessarily correct? That doesn't mean some elders are just actually dickheads. Like it's, not, it's actually not a right thing. You want, you want the 
the person to be respectful, not because of the age. Just being older doesn't give you that right because there's a lot of old people, as we'd all know now, we could think around going, they don't deserve that respect. They deserve to be, you know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't respect them now. So it's not because you don't respect them as a human. You don't respect them in the way that they behave or it doesn't fit what you want to be around in your life. Yet we're teaching all younger people and particularly kids respect your elders which is counterintuitive to well that's actually not what we're trying to teach a kid we're trying to teach a kid to be respectful of others not not be able to talk to people on a level and when you get to sort of bigger levels of business and and understanding that people are you know labeled as obnoxious or precocious and I go no 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 they're actually not obnoxious they've just never they've been taught that you can speak to people and we don't look at what they've done as a level of not being able to you know, make them accessible. And these are some lessons that a lot of, particularly SMEs, they've still got this hardwired thing of I can't work with that person, their business is too big or they're too successful. And you're like, why? They're still people. Okay, you might not be ready to have that conversation. If you're thinking like that, that's true because you're not. You're not ready to, it doesn't mean just approaching people and going, I want to work with you because that's, even then you don't have the skill set to operate at that level. But it's not that it's not attainable nor that there aren't steps to go. And these are the things we have to work out is where, where have I developed a story that is holding me back from doing some of the things I want to experience in life? And that's a really important thing to analyse yourself because remember it's a hardwired protection for yourself. Our whole mind and body is is wired to try and protect us from not only danger but getting in situations that are awkward so it's not even a clear and present danger it's literally well if you do that you could get rejected yes you could but without being rejected you're never going to go to another level but the other side of that as well taking it away from that fight or flight thing is that your brain's whole job is to confirm what and make true what you say yeah, so absolutely. it does its job of convincing yourself. So all so an easy way of doing it, because I know that a lot of people might be listening to this going, yeah, that's great to say where have you done it, but how do you get around it? Go, well, change what you say. If you say the same thing over and over again, your body will make that real. Yeah, and I think it's its you see it in business particularly when people are looking at, say, say you've got a feeling that um, a client's going to leave me. So your brain will start scanning for everything that begins to look at so you don't, you don't miss it. So every time you're dealing with a client, you're looking at what's going wrong, where they're not happy, why they're not happy, um, are they looking for others, are they going to talk about price, are they going to do this? So you're constantly scanning around scarcity and fear and you'll find it. The brain's too smart not to find little things and it'll be tiny things that you'll then draw conclusions but then you'll create that. Because you're looking for it so much, you'll create an energy that will bring that into formation or a true form. And I know that sounds very kumbaya, but it's if you're into that sort of manifestation, it's not that things pop out of thin air, it's that you're actually creating the environment for to curate a result. The same with success. If you're there with an abundant attitude of, I'm going to help a lot of people, I'm going to do this, people can't help but reciprocate that because you find more people that are of a generous nature more people that want to give, more people that want to give without any sort of reward because they just want to contribute and they get a lot out of that. But 
what that actually attracts is a whole lot of people who've been successful because they don't need to get something out of every transaction because they're not in scarcity. Now, it's not because you've suddenly manifested it out of thin air. It's because you've created an environment that only those type of people would be able to work within it. And that's your brain filtering for those things to begin with. So it's, it's you know, as you call it, it's controlling the narrative a little bit around your life, which is where is my focus? And not just my focus daily when I can think about it, where is my focus when things aren't going the way that I see or a situation that I'm interpreting in a different way? Where does my focus naturally go to when I'm under stress or, you know, pressure? Because then you'll really see where that hardwired protection is going to, which is why am I thinking about that right now? We've got an isolated challenge and now I'm seeing that as the whole world's going to crumble, which is I guess the situation and the irony that a lot of us are in now, which is isolation, is this the beginning of the end of all our financial futures or is this for some going to be the opportunity of a lifetime to reinvent, re-engage and basically do stuff you would have never got to. Now, I don't know which one's right but I know which one you're going to be enjoying more focusing on and it's not ignoring the bad stuff. It's just things happening. There are conditions and you need to interpret those conditions but they're not the end of the world. This is not the end of the world. This is a situation that we need to then control the narrative and work out how we're going to interpret it. And I think um, if you bring it back as we went wide, bringing it right back down to controlling the narrative on a daily and minute-by-minute basis, a lot of things are happening to us at the moment, it feels like. Yep. Um, being Changing that word from, because I know that I my immediate reaction uh, historically to a lot of things going, I can't do that or I can't yep. find the answer to that or I need someone else. Changing that to, you taught me this a long time ago, was... Instead of saying that, saying, but if I could or if I did know the answer, what would it be? And just that simple phrase putting into your head, it opens up so many possibilities. It doesn't, those things may not necessarily be right, but at least they're not closing off the opportunity to make, take action. Yeah, it's, it's amazing how many people kill their dreams by killing it before they've got any evidence. They just kill it in their head before they've even tried. And then when they try, it doesn't matter because they've got in their mind that this won't work anyway. So even the behaviours they're putting in place are setting up for you to be right. And that's why I think I have real trouble around people who say no, not because they don't challenge thinking. This is a big difference. I, I love being around people who challenge thinking. But it's people who are closed-minded. There's no real benefit being around them for me because what's what? that's not my framework of the world, which is I believe if you get the right people and resources together, there's, there's most things that you can achieve. And the things you can't are outside my perception of what I believe and that's me who should be removed then because someone will do it one day. But I'm not that person. It's outside my reality and it's outside my belief. So I just know I'm the problem then. But who am I to get in the way of those people? And who am I to be right in that situation? And frankly, do I want to be right? Like, do I want to believe in a world that th- that can't happen? And so you, there's so much in terms of who you are and where you contribute, not just to your own life, but also knowing where you don't belong because you've lost that energy to be in that level of 
excitement or entrepreneurism or whatever it is. At some stage, you're the person who's the problem in your business. And I, and I get it. Like it's that whole thing of, you know, you know the, the Batman stuff you love, Nigel, which is, you know, you, the, I forget the saying, but, you know, you watch yourself become from the hero to the villain. villain it's only a, a matter of time. Not that I believe that, you know, that's the way, but the thought process. Ah, uh, yeah, you either, you either die a hero or live long enough to become the yeah, villain. Yeah, and it's not that I believe that statement in as in fact. I just, you know, I liked it because... I liked how they did it in Batman. That was cool, but <laughs> yeah, no, but I think you're speaking my language. Yeah, but I think the idea around that is in your business is the same way, which is um, at some stage in your business, you're the person that needs to be there as the leader to transform that business to what it is going to be. But at another stage in the life of that business, you're going to be the biggest problem. And the hard bit is with a lot of these, you know particularly because we deal with a lot of businesses going through succession and investing in those businesses and buying those business, it's really tough when you get to the realisation that you're the one that's been holding the business back for so many years. It's really tough because it's not that you're doing it purposefully, it's your framework has changed in the world and you're trying to hold on to what you've built but holding on to what you've built is actually counterintuitive to the business need to re-innovate and design and go forward and, and transform which is has to happen and if it doesn't you know it's, it's a really difficult thing because you never want to think you're the problem yeah but say even in your languaging there you're telling a story of it and going why is it tough that to realize that you're the one that's been holding back i, I think is it not that the liberating moment i, I think for others it's tough I, for me it's uh, you know my mantra at the moment is how do you get better people to replace you as fast as possible. That's that's the game we're in. And if I'm here to be knocked off the throne, not to hold on to it. But that doesn't mean you don't, you give that up easily. It means that you need to make sure that the person who takes over that position is better or needed at that time. And, you know, it's it's one of these things which is the the way you view the world at that time. It's, it's a really interesting one because I think that's the challenge of most of us in private businesses and particularly family businesses or doing a lot like this. This is highly emotional and, and highly the way in which we see and construct the world around us. And so the stories we've created over longer periods of time are the ones that are harder to shift obviously because the stories I've created have got me here in life. Now, how do you then be convinced if you feel like you're doing okay in life, how are you convinced that doing something different is a better way of doing it now also frankly you should be fighting that because you want to be challenged on that but also you've seen things others haven't you've got to make sure they've also got a track record of being able to do it i get a lot of people who think they're very very smart they come in and say this is what you should be doing i go yeah but um you ain't done it and <laughs> and you haven't got this and you haven't achieved a year even a year like this and I understand you understand the theory but I don't pay people for theory. I pay people for what they've done and whether they can replicate it. Everyone can get theory. That's, um, that's not for the players. That's for the spectators. So I just no, it's a really interesting one because I, I want to talk through this um, self-analysis of what stories have you constructed right now that are not serving you to move forward. Can I ask you? Mm what we're going through at the moment with COVID and all those kind of things and the massively changing landscape. 
you can almost hear stories being created around about yep. and very quickly but solidifying very quickly as well about because sales are difficult to come by for some people there's everything's changed what would you say to somebody what piece of advice would you give to somebody if they are now going through a hard time and starting to build that story of how they can't succeed in this climate i think it's even deeper than that which is I think a lot of people will come out of this going, yeah, I used to be a business owner and COVID killed my business. I go, yeah, your business just all it did was bring forward the um, time of death because there's a lot of people that were running businesses that weren't businesses. They were just operating as businesses. They didn't have the infrastructure. They didn't have the experience. They didn't have the resources and they didn't actively try and fix that for many years prior to this. And, and don't get me wrong, there is some absolute stories of just bad luck during this period. This is unprecedented and even huge companies which you can see that have got all the resources and, and access in the world, this is unprecedented. So this is not a beat you up if you've lost your business. Like We could be here next month going, we didn't see that coming. We don't have a business anymore. But I guarantee we'll be doing something else and we'll be rebuilding and we'll be doing that. So... I, I want to be respectful for those people because I know there's situations out there that are just horrible and as in you just couldn't have planned for this. Sorry, a majority of people have not planned for this and particularly in the SME space, this is where I've probably got to be a little bit more careful is in the SME space, you're not hoarding a lot of cash flow because you need to self-fund things. So you're always playing that line of cash flow because you're investing in growing the business to get that critical mass. So having months of no revenue is just it's a perfect storm to wipe out smes yeah <laughs> and big companies by the way i mean who am i kidding we're looking in the news like no one's doing it but you just you know we all assume that bigger companies hold cash flow and they can access debt in different ways but when the whole world at once can't access debt or mechanisms which is the challenge obviously for larger companies at the moment is everyone needing debt a, a close friend of mine was talking about he's in finance um, was talking about that being in finance he felt like he was the dork at a nightclub like he was the unpopular kid at a nightclub when people come and speak to the finance people about debt and financing and all this sort of stuff but now that everyone needs money all at once he feels like he's the hot model that's walking in and <laughs> everyone wants to buy him a drink and it's just it's really interesting i think it's a really great analogy um adam if you're out there listening it's a great analogy um but I really, I really, it is difficult and it, it is a very difficult time for people. But the story you create around this, which is COVID didn't wipe out your business. COVID was a really difficult situation that changed the way in which you had to operate. COVID didn't force you to lose a job. The company couldn't use your skill set at the moment, so you weren't employed. But if you keep finding a way to blame what had happened on a situation, it's going to be very difficult to look forward. So the question you'd be asking is, if I lost my job right now or have lost my job, what skill am I building right now to increase my value for tomorrow? So what can I do? And it might not be a skill you've had before, but if you said, let's just say you're making 80,000 bucks a year and you lost your job, and it could take you 12 months to get another job or two years. So in those three years, you may have made three times 80,000, 240 grand total. If I've lost my job for 12 months, 
my opportunity cost was I was going to make 240. Now, how do I still make 240 plus? What skill do I need to do when I come out of here in 12 months to move my 80 grand job to 120, to 150? And a lot of people listening now be going, Tim, get, you know, that doesn't happen. No, that doesn't happen for your story. It does happen and it's happening for people because they're tooling up now and they're not playing a victim role, they're playing a victor. This is an opportunity to get a new skill set. This is an opportunity to work out where I was not a good business leader, where I ran a poor business, what skills didn't I have? What was wrong with my business model? What was wrong with my product or service? If there was nothing wrong, how do I make sure the marketing's more aggressive when I come back? How do I take more market share? This is the way it needs to operate. And yes, I know this will upset a lot of people because we're in a very stressful time. You don't want to hear the one person going, easy for you, easy for you. It's not easy for any of us. We're all living in the same world. Some of us are just taking a different approach to it because we think that'll serve us all the best. And that's the story that we're going to create for ourselves. This is what's happening and this is how I need to respond. And you either do or you don't. But we're all operating in these conditions. Yes, you might have had some changes and things that have happened to you. But again, then you're choosing to find a story that suits your circumstance. And then what? So then you can be right. Do you want to be right with that story? Like why do you want to be right? Be wrong. Find a story that challenges you. Find a new story. Write a new narrative. I guess that's the whole thing going forward now. If you're feeling a little bit down and you're feeling a bit of a challenge, rewrite your narrative. As as Nigel said and embarrassed me at the start, it's my birthday. What's the narrative for my next 40 years? Is this the high point and it's downhill? Or is this the beginning of a new chapter, a next level? What's it going to be? I think you probably, for those who listen here, you've probably got a fair idea of how I'm, I'm choosing to narrate my own story. And you know what? That might be obnoxious, but that's just the way I'm going to live my life. And you've got to have that decision about how you're going to live your, yours. Because at the end of the day, all we have is the stories we create in our mind and then find the evidence that will support it. And if you can do that in a different way, you become a much more powerful person. And the important part of it is that you don't need, you can't just create a new narrative one day because all those stories, you created that narrative day after day, year after year, trying to build up evidence to support it. So you've got to keep telling yourself that new narrative every day and find, and then you'll just start finding the evidence to support that new narrative. Yeah, and if you do it for a sustained point or a, a sustained period, you, you find things like that. You find the evidence and then you start to find the people and you start to find the resources. That's why, I mean, we used to do a, a fun little challenge is pick something stupid that you've not done before and put some energy into it and see what happens. And suddenly people were like, oh, this person popped up. Oh, I didn't know they did that. I didn't know, like, it just happens that way. The world forms around you if you really believe or put energy towards it. And it's, it's real energy. It's not sit and wait energy. It's not sitting there manifesting and just waiting for things to drop onto your front door because that's not energy being put into it. Energy is putting in is seeking more evidence that you're right. And the difference is some people will be delusional because they're going to seek evidence on things that don't serve them and some people will find things that serve them and seek energy and they'll seek evidence that makes that (laughs) confirmed. And when they confirm that, they're going to get (laughs) more 
more energy and more momentum and more things and you start building that's that's the fact that's what we're all living in it's the same in fitness it's the same in business it's the same in personal health it's the same in you know working in a family unit it's you're creating the story and you get to change that story daily which is one of the greatest things of all time and also one of the most frightening things of all time but that's that getting control of your emotions and focusing on something that you want to make right and you want to collect the evidence that makes you right but Nigel very very um great topic thank you again for birthday wishes and the embarrassment <laughs> looking forward to the next uh next hundred years my friend but um thank you again and we'll um do it all again tomorrow see you mate bye